The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 251 of the podcast. Are you joining us live on Facebook or YouTube? Remember, if you want to catch a show live, go subscribe on YouTube and hit the notifications bell so that you will be notified every time we go live, like right now. Today is Sunday, August 8th. We're just several hours removed from... UFC 265. It's uh 1:50 in the afternoon, but I feel like I just watched this card. I guess it was 12 hours ago it ended. I feel like I just watched it. I'm sitting here with my new favorite dirt cheap whiskey that I'm going to tell you all about. Before we get into any of that, let me introduce all the way from New Jersey. Unintentionally matching me with his red t-shirt. Jeff, the animal, Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling on this Sunday afternoon, my friend? We're back to our regularly scheduled time here. Bill, I am. Uh, I'm concerned because it's supposed to get a little hot the next couple of weeks, and we're we're getting our preseason training in, Bill. So I can't have these girls. For those of you who don't know, I coach a girls' soccer team. I'm an assistant coach on a girls' soccer. Thank team. you for clarifying that. <laughs> we don't yeah, want I, we don't want people thinking you just attend girls' soccer practices. Yeah, or or worse, that I'm trying out for a girls' soccer team because Bill, I'm skilled enough where they would just make me captain. Jeff, so. it's 2021. I'm pretty sure you could, without protest, join a girls' soccer team. Hmm. Actually, Bill. That sounds such a bad idea. I'd be getting paid as, I mean, I'd probably make more than I am teaching. Maybe, but you'd be making less than a men's soccer team, allegedly. I could live with that. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Bill, it's supposed to be pretty hot the next couple of weeks. Um, so you know, we got to keep an eye on the hydration and stuff. So like you know, with COVID protocols, I can't give anybody water. They have to bring their own. So <laughs> it's funny. Oh man, it's 99 degrees outside. I bet you wish you brought some more water. I have plenty here, but um, yeah, <laughs> uh, sorry, I can't pour you even a Dixie cup of it. You're just gonna have to, you're just gonna have to sit there and dry up like a prune. <laughs> like, what are we, what are we doing here, Jeff? Like, they no, don't, I don't make the rules. They don't try. I know you don't. I, I'm just like pointing out the absurdity of it. Like, what what are we doing here? When I say what are we doing here, like as a society, what are we doing? Like, are we are we really concerned about the right things? And I'm not saying that people shouldn't be concerned about COVID. Like, it's definitely a real threat and everything. But like, you can't hand out bottles of water when it's <laughs> 99 degrees out because of like contamination. Like a sealed bottle of water, even. I'd rather not take the chance, Bill. You know, so somebody will complain to me about something. So, yeah, it's like, well, you know, 
one of the kids died of uh, dehydration, but you know, at least we didn't give her any water. <laughs> we followed then the protocol. <laughs> she might have gotten sick. She just died. It's it's like it's no big deal. At least she didn't get sick. You know, I don't make the rules, man. You know, you just I know. gotta you gotta roll with the punches nowadays. Neither do I. Jeff, I don't even make the rules in my own house. That's hey. your mistake, Bill. I've told hey. you that if you just avoided getting married and having kids, <laughs> you'd be happy. But it's like I don't know if you can't learn or you won't learn, Bill. Yeah. Well, I may not learn, but I do learn to cope. So <laughs> let me tell you about a whiskey that saved my life, Jeff. Because when I was on this road trip that lasted nine years um, (laughs) (laughs) on the West Coast, I was not aware, and I should have thought ahead about this. I was not aware of how hard it was to find alcohol, like, out West in some places. Like, uh, you know, here in Florida, you can literally buy uh, hard liquor at the grocery store or at at the drugstore like at a walgreens or something and then there's big chain liquor stores everywhere you know i could throw a rock and hit five liquor stores um but out west it's a different story so driving into utah i i found like a gift shop that sold whiskey and it was separate from the rest of the gift shop, you know, they sold like coffee mugs and and souvenirs and all junk like that. So I thought the prices were going to be outrageous, but turns out in Utah is one of those States where, uh, hard liquor is government regulated. So it was actually like a separate store because I, I bought some snacks and stuff and I, and I bought a bottle of this whiskey and I had to pay for them separately because they had to be charged separately. So because it's government run, the, the prices are regulated. They didn't have a huge selection, Jeff. I was looking for something just to get me through the next few nights because I didn't know when I would see a liquor store again. So I grabbed this bottle. The label kind of caught my eye. It's called 10 High. Okay. Sour mash, bourbon whiskey. Okay. It was 10 bucks. I'm like, worst case scenario... I'll, I'll mix it with some soda. I got, I'll, I'll get a soda at the vending machine at the hotel or something. Like I don't need anything. You know, I just needed something that was going to do the trick, you know, something to take the edge off a little bit, so to speak. So I, I pour myself a little bit of this 10 high. Uh, as soon as I got back to the hotel room, like I walk, I walk into the door and like before even closing the door behind me, I was reaching for, you know, those glasses that they wrap in plastic in the hotel room, poured myself some of this. And I was like, well, let me at least taste it before I, you know, throw some soda in it. Jeff, I got to tell you, it was the best $10 whiskey I've ever had in my life. Like this stuff was legit. Very, very good. And I got a little bit of it here. You can see it's got that nice bourbony caramelly color to it. The nose is like all baking spices. It's like it's like fresh baked, like uh, like banana bread or like a cinnamon toast um, kind of smell to it. And then the flavor, it's like a vanilla bean ice cream. Like if you know when you leave it out, and it like melts and it's like liquidy. 
if you were to drink that out of a whiskey glass, like with a little bit of alcohol mixed in, that's what this would taste like. It tastes like like a vanilla syrup almost. Um, and it's really good. So I looked into it a little bit more. It's distilled by Barton Distilling Company in Louisville, Kentucky, which is owned by the Sazerac Corporation. Now, Sazerac also owns Buffalo Trace. So you guys have been listening to the show for a while. You know, Buffalo Trace, one of my favorite distilleries. So anything that Sazerac owns, like obviously they they know good whiskey. So now this is the, the lower end from them. Um, I, I found this bottle, uh, you know, on the bottom shelf at a local chain store. This is a 1.75 liter. I got this for $15. Uh, and it's a really nice, like entry level whiskey. If you're looking something for something different to try, if you're stuck in like the Jim Beam, Jack Daniels, you know, stuff like that. And you just want to try something different. This will give you a much different flavor profile. It'll be on the sweeter side for a bourbon, uh, not too much burn. It's only 40% alcohol. Now, whiskey heads would would turn their nose at this, Jeff. They would say like, oh, it's 40% alcohol. It's cheap. Uh, you know, whatever the case. It, hey, it fucking tastes good. And that should be all that matters, right? Um, I, I think like the average person would like this. Like last week I was drinking the Knob Creek single barrel, 120 proof. That's not for everybody. That's like when you've scorched most of your palate away. This is like very approachable for the average person. So I would definitely recommend this. And it saved my life because I it was the only whiskey I had on hand for, you know, a good leg of this trip out in Utah, which, you know, it, it was hard to even find food out there, Jeff. So I was I was lucky um, to to secure a bottle of whiskey that, you know, not only helped me through the trip, but actually tasted good. So there's that 10 high sour mass uh, bourbon whiskey. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Well, it sounds interesting, and it sounds like a good bang for your buck, man. Um, I'm talking, of course, about 10 high, not Utah. Um, <laughs> which, Bill, is that where, where the Mormons first settled when they came to this country? Yeah, it, well, I mean, that's where they are now. I don't know if it's where they first settled, but... Yeah, they're out there with all their wives and stuff. Hmm. Jeff, you're always you're always about the anti-marriage. Like, what's your stance on people with multiple wives? Bill, I don't know why why you would put yourself in that situation. That's <laughs> that's all all these wives eating up all your resources and and your money and and that's like the, the stuff that I want to avoid. That Bill, that is my worst nightmare is having multiple wives. And like Dave, the Portuguese man of war, Bernardino is saying, I think that's exactly why God created alcohol. Yeah. Deal with all these wives. Do Mormons, do Mormons drink? Do you they know anything about like, yeah. Cause then like, what if you're, what if it's one of those religions where like, you can't have alcohol, like Scientology. Like, do you think, Man, I, I, cause I'm with you on this. Like the, the average male brain would say like, oh, more wives means more sex for me. Like, no, <laughs> I don't think, 
I don't think it'll be the same amount of sex. That's the problem, Bill. Yes, none. <laughs> <laughs> but you have, and then you have to have like multiple houses. You get home from work, and it's like, oh, the sink's leaking in this house, and the, like the power's out in this house. Um, you got to mow the lawn over here. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Why yeah. would you do this to yourself? Yeah, and then there's gonna be dinner made in zero of those houses. When you get home from work, <laughs> yeah. it's like one is ordering takeout and the other one is just like, ah, we're having like boxed mac and cheese tonight and microwave it up. I don't feel like it. Yeah, Bill, while we're on the subject, before we get into the MMA, people are taking being single the wrong way, right? I don't consider myself single, Bill. I consider myself a free agent. Right? <laughs> so. Bill, I don't need anybody slowing me down. I got too much to do, man. I got these this girls' soccer team. Half of them have never played before, and the rest who have missed their season last year. Mm. And then, aside from that, I got I'm gonna get a batch of students who most of them have not been in a classroom in like a year and a half. So, I need some time to myself, and that is basically any time I'm home. I know you were and. Uh... Right when we came on the call here, you were uh, enjoying that time to yourself with some video games. Yeah, see, Bill, if I were married, I'd have to, like, be at work or something. Bill, all my yeah. money is for me. All your money is for your kid. Yeah, Jeff, even if I liked playing video games, I could not sit down and play a video game because it would be like, uh, the laundry needs to be brought down. Like, there's yard work. There's, like, what are you doing playing a video game? Like, I barely get the time to do this, sit and talk with you for an hour each week. But um, I don't want to make it seem like I'm complaining because I'm actually about to pair this delicious bourbon with a banana bread chocolate chip muffin that my beautiful wife and daughter just baked downstairs, like fresh out of the oven. And I think it's going to go perfectly with my, uh, with my 10 high here. I wish this was getting me 10 times higher. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there there are benefits to uh, being in, in a relationship. Like, there's less freedoms and, you know, you have less will to live. But other than that, like, there's muffins. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean there's got to be some trade-off because you're not getting happiness out of this. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I'm getting happiness out of this banana bread muffin. It's pretty darn good. I'm going to wash it down with this 10 high bourbon. Yeah, so, you know, it's like anything. It has its ups and downs. But where was I going with the Mormon thing? I think I had a point. Yeah, that it sounds absolutely horrifying to have multiple marriages. Right, right. Oh, and that reminds me, I didn't tell the story of how I got a free cab ride when I was in Vegas. So I was um, hanging back at the hotel while the wife and her sister's family went to a hotel called Circus Circus, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's like a big circus inside, and they have a little theme park for little kids in there. So I was doing something else. I was going to catch up with them. So I'm trying to call an Uber and Ubers are really hard to get in Las Vegas right now for whatever reason or something with the contracts. And I don't know. It's a whole political thing. It's a mess. So this guy 
driving a cab sees me like on my phone like clearly i was trying to get an uber i was out in front of the hotel and he's like hey you want to ride i was like yeah screw it let me just take a regular taxi i wasn't going far anyway so he's driving me and we're just talking he's telling me you know where all the sex shops used to be that are now like korean restaurants like on the outskirts of the strip and stuff those are just fronts for sex shops built yeah yeah now <laughs> it's like oh man we can't call it a sex shop anymore. We got to start making some short ribs or something. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> he's trying. And then he's telling me he just got divorced uh, like a few weeks ago. I was like, oh, congratulations, man. Like, nice. you know, most people <laughs> like most people would say like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. You OK? But me, I've been divorced. I know how glorious it feels. <laughs> it's it, it's one of the most liberating feelings in the world uh, you know and luckily i've moved on to a much less toxic much more loving relationship as much as i joke about it um you know my my wife and i get along extremely well especially dealing with the stresses of having a toddler and everything like that so i'm just bullshitting with the guy not realizing that he wasn't even running the meter and we stop at circus circus and he loved the congratulations comment. He thought it was hilarious. He's like, you know, everybody else is like trying to feel bad for me and stuff. He's like, I feel like you're the first person who like gets it. Like I'm free now. He's like, we were together for 20 something years. Our kids are grown and she wouldn't even cook dinner anymore. Like pretty much exactly what, you know, you were insinuating before. So we get to Circus Circus and we get out and he's like, you know what, man, this one's on me. He's like, it was a short ride. I'm not going to charge you anything. I didn't even have the meter on. So I, you know, honesty is the best policy, Jeff. Like I just honestly told him how I was feeling. And then we had a few more jokes back and forth about getting divorced. And I told him how I was divorced, but yeah, free cab ride. So I threw him a tip. We went our separate ways, but, um, you know, it, it wound up being a more memorable cab ride than like if he had just picked me up and I was on my phone and he charged me and we didn't really speak to each other. So human connection, Jeff, I'm all about it. Yeah, dude, that that's awesome, Bill. Um, but yeah, like I, you know, I uh, as I've gotten older and uh, I'm a little bit more set in my ways, I just realized I I'm at a point in my life where I'm I'm trying to get this whole teaching thing off the ground. And, uh, you know, I got some goals a little bit further down the line and I feel like somebody else in my life would just slow me down. It's very possible, you know, until, you know, maybe you meet somebody that kind of counterbalances everything that you've got going on. And then, you know, there you go. And then maybe you find another somebody that counterbalances that person and then you end up with, you know, a whole harem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill. The way, I mean, the way I see it, the way I see it, there are plenty of fish in the sea, so it's okay if I throw some of them back. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of fish in the sea, Jeff. But there's also like, um, what are they called? You ever caught a robin fish before? I don't know what that is. No, I think it's called a robin fish. My grandfather used to take me out fishing in the in a Long Island Sound, and um. A city island which is part of the bronx he, he had a friend who had a boat when he used to go and so sometimes we would catch these robin fish they're fucking 
hideous, Jeff. They're like one of the ugliest things you've ever seen in your life. And they croak. So you take them out and you got them in the boat and you're trying to get the hook out of their mouth. And they're like, and it's disgusting. So yeah, there's plenty of fish in the sea, but sometimes you, you snag a robin fish and they're just croaking in your face. And then you would find yourself wishing they would actually croak. What are you doing? I'm looking up what a robin fish is. It looks weird. Oh, yeah. Did you find it? Yeah, it looks like it's called a sea robin. Oh, yeah, sea robin. Ew, not a robin it fish. look like that? Yeah, it, it looks has, like, like wings. Yeah, it looks like it's made of garbage. Like if somebody, like a kid took like a magazine and like paper mache and made a fish out of it, that's what a sea robin looks like. Oh and they gosh. sound as hideous as they look. Like they just they're they're just like a like a disgusting animal. So when people say like there's plenty of fish in the sea, but like, yeah, but there's a lot of fucking sea robins. You know? Sheesh. And you don't want you don't want you know to be married to even one of those. Forget about three or four of them, you know? Those are the ones you throw back and you like you whack it with the oar before you even put it back in the water. Like, do it a favor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where was I going? All right. So the whiskey thing, Jeff. Ten high whiskey. The reason I wanted to talk about this, not just because I owed it to the audience, because I mentioned on social media while I was on my trip how I found my new favorite dirt cheap whiskey I wanted to tell you guys about that, but I've also been thinking lately about different ways to create content. You know, obviously I love talking about MMA. We've been doing this for over five years now, which silly me, I forgot to do like a celebratory five year anniversary episode or what. Uh, anyway, happy five years to us. Hooray. Here, here's a drink. We'll, we'll toast to that. As much as I love talking about MMA, I was trying to think of ways to, you know, create some other content, Jeff, because, you know, the MMA stuff, we talk about the card each week and, you know, it's pretty time sensitive. If, if you don't catch the episode, you know, before the next card, it's pretty much becomes obsolete. Like there's no reason to listen to it, um, you know, other than our silly banter that we sometimes have. So. I wanted to create some content that was a little bit more evergreen, uh, a little bit more, you know, you could watch it whenever. And I don't know about a whole lot of things, Jeff. You know, I've got I've got three college degrees, including a master's degree. I don't really know a whole lot of things, though. I'll be the first one to admit to that. But I know about fighting and I know about whiskey. And I feel like I cut the whiskey segments short on this show to get to the fighting because I know not everybody's into it. So. My idea is to create another YouTube channel that's going to be dedicated just to whiskey um, and other spirits and making cocktails and some of the other content I do on here as well. Uh, but just to keep it separate. And so it's not tied to time sensitive stuff like UFC 265, for example, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. But I still do want it to be loosely linked to MMA on the rock. So I, I want the name of the channel to kind of reflect that. So I started asking, 
you know, on Twitter and texting a few people, yourself included, Jeff, like suggestions for names. So some of the best ones that have come up is uh, White Belt Whiskey, because this would be like a beginner's guide, approachable whiskeys for people that are kind of new to it. And then we would slowly build up to more complex things. We had, what was another good one? Whiskey Ground and Pound was one I like. Um, whiskey in the Cage. So you see the theme here, Jeff. Uh, so if anybody has any suggestions, you know, I'm in the beginning phases of creating, you know, the logos and, and the channel and everything like that. Like this is something that's going to happen in the near future. I have some, some fun ideas for content that I'm going to be making in this whiskey space. But if you have any suggestions for the name, uh, you know, let me know, send me a message. And if I end up uh, choosing your name, I'll, I'll send you a T-shirt or something. We'll figure it out. Or a tank top from our friends at Team Reaper. Um, but what do you think, Jeff? Hey, you got any ideas brewing or, or you need to think on it a little bit? Bill, I really like White Belt Whiskey. I think it, it sends the message that, you know, you're, you're an introductory whiskey sommelier. Um, and, you know, it's got the martial arts theme in there too i i really like white belt whiskey i forgot to text you back because i was driving but i really <laughs> like white belt whiskey well thanks for not texting and driving i appreciate that because like a lot of people can't resist it seems like i never i don't look at my phone if i'm driving a vehicle you know maybe if i'm expecting an important text or something and i'm i'm at a red light like stops dead and i know that it's a long light you know i'll pick up the phone and, and check but yeah, I, because I was thinking about, you know, especially after last week's show when I did the Knob Creek single barrel and then in contrast with this week, like if somebody were to ask me and I get asked very often, Jeff, I get messages on social media and and people who just know me, you know, outside of the show who just actually know me in real life, they're always asking like, hey, Bill, what's a good whiskey for this and that? And I'll always go through the same kind of checklist with them but it would be kind of cool to well like here's my youtube channel and you can find some <laughs> recommendations there uh you know stuff like that because there's a lot of great whiskey content out there um and there's like the bourbon people on youtube that are typically a little kookier like a little goofier and then there's the scotch review people that are really kind of like stiff and serious. I don't know why it's divided that way, but I love both of those things. I can be serious about whiskey and I could be a little goofy, but not, you know, not take it too far over the top, <laughs> as you might say, or under the influence. Um, yeah. So that's just a thought. I'm just brainstorming it right now, but if anybody has any title suggestions, uh, send them my way. And I, I'm going to start creating content for that channel pretty soon. And I'm excited about it just to have something different creatively to kind of focus on uh, while I drink alcohol. <laughs> it seems to be the, the running theme through all my creative outlets, Jeff. So that's that. So we'll, we'll figure out a title and we'll go from there. Uh, should we get into some mixed martial arts, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, because the only other thing I can talk to you about is soccer. And nobody's here for that. So let's get into the MMA. <laughs> well, 
you need to have you need to have like your own soccer YouTube channel that where you talk about fighting a little bit and call it like balls and brawls or something. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's funny. That's a good one. Um, speaking of balls, we had a low blow in the main event last night. Uh, that was a pretty one-sided beating until it was over. Cyril Gan uh, becoming the UFC interim heavyweight champion when he TKO Derek Lewis in the main event UFC 265 in Houston, Texas last night. Beat him down in front of his hometown, Jeff. Um, and I'll rewind a little bit to the weigh-ins in the press conference where Derek Lewis was getting in Cyril Gan's face and was very animated, very aggressive, and that's almost always a bad sign um, because usually it's a sign of I don't think I can beat you, so I'm going to do whatever I can beforehand to try and change that or change my mindset, anything like that. The best example was I, I, always, I always think of Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm. When Holly Holm is just literally standing there bring, being the daughter of a preacher – <laughs> and just existing and ronda rousey's like you stupid bitch i'll kill your whole family <laughs> and tried to dive across the cage it's like i mean across the uh the podium it's like what what is going on like you're just this is this is a sport <laughs> first of all let's be civil like her dad's a preacher she's never said a bad word about anybody <laughs> like why do you hate her so much and we've seen Rhonda like hate people before, but we've never seen her like try to attack anybody before. In any case, I don't want to get too far off track. Always a bad sign. The story of this fight was the technique of Cyril Gan, Jeff. I mean, just just levels above Derek Lewis. And the story going into this was that Gan was the more technical fighter, but Derek Lewis has that knockout power. You know, all he has to do is connect with Cyril one time and it's done. Man, hit the technique was just too much, Jeff, which you don't see a lot of at heavyweight. You know, normally it's a lot of like swinging for the fences. Like even if you have a good wrestler at heavyweight, which is rare, um, it's a very ground and pound style. It's not like a technical submission game. And and Gon was not afraid of the power of Lewis. He was he was poking the bear. He was pressing him against the cage. He was clinching with him. You know, he was, he was getting into the phone booth with him and just out striking him, out clinching him, out grappling him, just beat him everywhere until, you know, finally the referee said enough. Give me your thoughts on the main event here, Jeff. Yeah, dude, just absolutely methodical from Cyril Gaon, man. The leg kicks, I love that, man. You know, Derek Lewis, he slimmed down a bit, but he's still a huge dude. I think in the heavyweight division, you know, you get somebody with leg kicks and they're compromised. You know, that's a lot of weight that heavyweights have to move around. And Cyril Gaon, you know, I was a little concerned for him just because of the size difference, because he looks like a light heavyweight standing next to Derek Lewis, man. Um, but, dude, uh, I thought Cyril Gaon was absolutely fantastic. Um, I think, and we've talked about his fight IQ before, and he's just so technical, and he understands what needs to be done to win. You know, he, he doesn't pander to the fans, which is why I like him so much, is, you know, he's he's going to do what he needs to do to win. You know, if people like it, great. If not, 
you know, he's going to win anyway. Um, yeah, just a really technical display, man. I was, Bill, I love watching people get chopped down to size, and I think the leg kicks are such a great way to do that. And you just saw Derek Lewis leg buckle in that third round, and he just wilted under Cyril Gan's pressure. So, a uh, great fight from Cyril Gan. Uh, I thought he was going to implement some grappling a little bit more, but he chose not to, and, you know, it was a good result anyway. So, good for him. But he did implement a lot of standing grappling uh, with the clinch game, which mm. really impressed me also because going into this, I knew Gon would be the more skilled fighter pretty much everywhere. I thought Derek Lewis would have a strength advantage and Cyril Gon, and that usually plays into the clinch game. You know, whoever has the strength advantage is usually going to dominate in the clinch. You know, sometimes technique will make a difference, but not so much at heavyweight. The way Cyril Gon was controlling the clinch, though, you know, at one point he had a deep underhook on one side and he was controlling the opposite shoulder with his head while controlling the wrist. And Derek Lewis couldn't move and he was just beating him up alongside the cage. He was throwing some shoulder strikes. He was mixing it up. His attacks were so versatile and he knew that he only had one thing to look out for. And that was the right hand of Derek Lewis. And he was able to avoid it. He was able to keep Derek Lewis backing up. Not a lot of people can do that. But the fact that he was able to hold him up against the cage with those clinch tactics, those very subtle clinch tactics, was so impressive because we've never seen somebody really control Derek Lewis. Like usually, um, I shared a meme on on uh, Inst- my Instagram story from my buddy Mac Malley, who if you don't follow him on Twitter or Instagram, you need to follow him because he's just – He's just hilarious. Like he smokes a lot of weed and he makes some really creative um, mixed martial arts memes. But he made that meme of of SpongeBob like getting out of the chair. And he said, it said Derek Lewis when he gets taken down and says, all right, I'm going to get up. (laughs) And that's pretty much what it's been for his whole career. Like I remember when he fought Roy Nelson and, you know, Roy would take him down and get to side control and Roy Nelson, a high-level black belt, Pan American champion or like Abu Dhabi, one of those. I don't remember, but world champion grappler, high-level black belt, gets Derek Lewis in side control, and Derek Lewis like catches his breath and then just bench presses Roy off of him. Like that should never work. And re- if jujitsu is real at all, <laughs> like you shouldn't be able to do that. Um, but you know that's just. You know, Derek Lewis is just a freak of nature. Like, he defies uh, technique. He defies, like, what you're supposed to do. And it's worked for him. Until he ran into someone who was so much more technically superior that, you know, he couldn't use any of those tricks. And that's what happened with Cyril Gaon. And that's why I was so impressed with this performance by Cyril Gaon. You know, a lot of people were saying he's a boring fighter. He's a point fighter, this and that. Like, you know how hard it is to go 10 and 0 in the heavyweight division and have a, a 10 fight winning streak. Like there's a reason that Stipe Miocic holds the record for most heavyweight title defenses at three. Like this is a division where anybody can get caught. You know, there's not a whole lot of technique. And even when there is like, you're still susceptible to that big shot. But I think that the technical superiority of Cyril Gaon was so impressive and it's making me look forward to the Francis Ngannou fight so much more uh, than 
if Derek Lewis and Nganu had fought and then like Gon would be next in line because now I see that Gon is not afraid of the power shot. He's yeah. trained with Francis before he knows how hard he hits. Um, so he's going to plan to go in there and do the same thing. But then in Ganu, like there's still always like, you know, it, it'll almost be like watching somebody like defuse a bomb, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like they might be the most expert, you know, bomb diffuser or whatever you call them in the world. But like if they clip that wrong wire, <laughs> that's it. Like their, their head is gone or their hands are gone. So there's always that chance. So that, makes the suspense like so exciting to me and that's what i loved about this fight and that's what i will love about the Nganu and gone fight but uh give me your thoughts jeff about um what's next here yeah bill i'm really excited i think it's gonna be very similar to stipe miasic versus uh Nganu one um where and, and i love your comparison to to someone defusing a bomb because one that's how gone approached this fight you know super careful picked his shots um you know there was one i think it was in the second round that Derek lewis th- winged this right hand at him and Gone ran from him dude like he was across the cage in like three seconds must have yeah. covered like 20 feet in like three seconds which <clears throat> one uh just shows Cyril Gan's awesome footwork, which I love. But um, yeah, dude. I mean, Cyril Gan. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I don't think he's gonna make the mistake that Miasic made in the second fight because that fight, um, Miasic hurt Nganu, and he thought, "Oh, I hurt him. You know what? Let me go back and hurt him again." That mm-hmm. was his mistake. You know, he 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 jumped into the fire a little too fast. You know, got a little trigger happy. I don't see Cyril Gan making that mistake um he's just got he's just so level-headed man and he's like 31 that's bill you know you're always saying this he's a spring chicken in this heavyweight division oh yeah he's a freshman yeah and (laughs) and uh and like you said you know uh in the heavyweight division everybody gets caught miasic included you know he Mm -hmm. got caught by Mm nganu cyril gani has got a high fight iq i think that if he can replicate this performance against Derek Lewis. I, I think, you know, we're, we're looking at maybe a new undisputed champ in the heavyweight division. Um, you know, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, but man, I mean, it's going to be exciting to watch for sure, dude. Yeah. I can't wait. I think, I think it's going to be fun and it'll probably be a, a pretty quick turnaround. I know Nganu wanted to fight in September. I don't know if God will be ready for that, but um, if gone lost this fight, Jeff, the title of this episode was going to be gone with the wind. I don't know if we've used that before. Uh, we may have, but now since he won, we could call it gone with the wind. Ah, that's good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. It's like, I think, I think naming the episode is one of my favorite things because, you know, you, you reflect back on, and I've never gone back and listened to a, an entire episode that, that we've done in the last five years. Like sometimes I'll, I'll want to go and find a clip of something to post and uh, I'll start listening to the episode that I know it's in to try and find it. And it's just so hard to do. I don't like listening to my own voice. Um, but thank you to everyone who does. Uh, Cult main event. Pretty easy one to score. Jose Aldo just whipping Pedro Munoz. Um, 
I it, it's amazing that Jose Aldo is 34 years old. He has been fighting for 67 years. And uh he just it looks as good as he did in the WEC days. Like it it looked for a little while like you know, a lot of people were starting to say he's done and you know he wasn't the same after McGregor. And then when he dropped down to 135, a lot of people, including myself, was like, This is a mistake. Yeah, you know, because he had a hard time making featherweight at certain points in his career. It's like you're gonna go down 10 more pounds, like when you're in your 30s, and and like you've already put yourself through so much, but like, man, there's something about the discipline of this guy when he puts his mind to it. There's a reason he's a three-time world champion, including, you know, WEC two-time UFC champion. Um, he, you know, when he puts his mind to something, uh, he can just do it. I, I mean, last night his boxing looked better than ever. I don't think there's anybody in the history of MMA who rips body shots better than Jose Aldo. Uh, if there is somebody that I'm just, that isn't coming to mind, like, let me know. But, um, Aldo is one of the best ever with the, the knees to the body and the punches to the body, uh, just so effective, so quick. Um, and, and Munoz is no pushover, you know, yeah. uh, he's a really tough fighter. So this is a really, uh, good test for Aldo to see if he's, you know, ready for potentially, another title shot at 135. Give me your thoughts on this performance, Jeff. Yeah, dude, really impressed with Jose Aldo. Just, you know, like you said, he's 34, man. You know, I think he'd be trying to fight at 155, maybe even 170 at this age if he was having a hard time making 145. But, dude, um, he just looked great in there. And something that I loved was at the beginning of the third round, Munoz came out with this really – hard combination he came out with like uh one one two or something and he, he hit aldo pretty hard and aldo just tore right back at him um mm. with um with his own combination and you know you could just see him tearing at that body man and you know that stuff wears on you dude like you know munoz was probably exhausted breathing heavy in that third round and you know that's what i enjoy about jose aldo is he fights with no mercy and i love it um, dude, I would like to see him maybe fight like Cody Garbrandt or, um, maybe Peter Jan before, uh, getting a title shot. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens, but you know, all those definitely putting his name up here. Uh, I could see him being in the top three of the rankings for the bandweight division when they come out this week. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I never really look at the the rankings and um I, I I rarely know like what a fighter is ranked, but you know, Jose Aldo still has the name recognition. He's got a huge fan base, he's still a draw, you know, people still want to see him. You could throw him into a title fight at any point. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion. But yeah, Munoz's organs were probably about as beat up as mine were after being on vacation with my in-laws for two weeks. So <laughs> And then he kept the, the one thing that I didn't like from Munoz, like obviously he's tough as shit, but he kept throwing all these spinning attacks and uh, you know, I don't want to discredit any styles of martial arts or anything, but spinning shit just doesn't work at a high level. And if it does, it's just a fluke. It's not because, you know, it's a better technique. Um, 
after like one or two, like you're just you're just kind of wasting your energy. Like you lost the element of surprise. Like they, uh, especially a veteran striker like Aldo is going to see it coming a mile away. Like, are you just throwing hail marys at this point? But then why not just you know step in and throw a big overhand? Like why waste your energy with the spinning stuff? Um, that was that was my biggest question with Munoz's game plan. Other than that, I don't think he did anything wrong. He just got outclassed. Yeah. Um, Bill, speaking of spinning attacks, not being super effective. I always think back to Luke Rockhold versus Chris Weidman, man. We saw a title change hands because Mm -hmm. of a mistimed spinning attack. Um, And Bill, that reminds me, you were telling me before that Luke Rockhold versus Sean Strickland is booked. Yeah. That's actually a really fun fight. And, you know, say what you want about Luke Rockhold. Like, he's he's very cringy, like, when he speaks. And, you know, a lot of people want to hate him just because he's, you know, a good-looking guy and he's, like, very cocky. Like, he knows he's good-looking. Like, he's one of those guys. Like, he knows, like, yeah, I could be a Calvin Klein model, but I – choose to be a cage fighter what are you gonna do about it you know he has that kind of like arrogance about him and it's very off-putting for a lot of people myself included but i'm a big fan of luke rockhold inside the cage and i remember there was a point after he beat chris wyman i remember thinking like who is gonna beat this guy yeah because he really is like a total package fighter like his striking is dynamic explosive super technical on top on the ground he's one of the best in the history of the division like he just has crazy top pressure for 185 and the dude's a fighter man he's a competitor you know he'll get in there with anybody he wasn't saying no to anybody he was saying yes to kamzat chemaev when nobody wanted to fight him and luke rockhold's like yeah i think that'd be cool let's do it nothing and at first they offered him Sean Strickland. He's like, I don't want to fight that guy because I don't know who the fuck he is. He's like, oh, all right. He fought Uriah Hall and he looked pretty good. Yeah, I'll fight that guy. So say what you want about Luke Rockhold as a person. Like he's probably a dirtbag. But you can't deny the fact that the guy's a real fighter. Like he's not going to turn down a challenge. And I'm personally excited to see him back. You know, a lot of people talk about Luke Rockhold and he doesn't have a chin. And there's been a lot of great memes. But like, look who he got fucking knocked out by, Jeff. You know, there was the Bisping knockout when he lost the title of Bisping. Then it was Yoel Romero. Like, who's who blasted his face in? Name me one person that's going to take a shot from Yoel Romero and not get knocked out. And then he moved up to light heavyweight. He got knocked out by Jan Blahovich, which, you know, he moved up. And, and, you know, Jan stood the test of time, went on to become the champ. Um, so I'm... I'm interested to see Rockhold back, especially, you know, against a guy like Sean Strickland who comes forward, throws ones and twos. Um, he, you know, is not going to be mysterious about his game plan. He's coming to walk you down and punch you in the face. Um, I, I think it's an awesome matchup. Is that yeah, what you were uh, going to get? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent, Bill. Um, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't like that Luke Rockhold's kind of cocky either, but, you know, in pro wrestling, you end up, you know, enjoying and appreciating those heels, those bad guys. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like that he's cocky, but it definitely makes me want to watch him fight. Um, but yeah, dude, I mean, look who he got knocked out by, man. Um, you know, like you said, 
Yoel Romero, Jan Blahovich, Michael Bisping. Um, and th- all that happened in like two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, his he's taken a beating. So, you know, I like that he had a long layoff. And I'm excited, man, because Sean Strickland is not going to have a welcome back party for him. Like you said, man, Sean Strickland's going to be in his face. He's going to fight uh, Luke Rockhold the way Luke Rockhold fought Chris Weidman. So I'm really excited to see this fight, man. Yeah, and, and Strickland's a little nutty, man. He and he and he hates Rockhold for like a lot of the reasons that I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, there was a video of him saying, I guess Rockhold said something or other about Sean Strickland. Now Sean is pissed at him. So, you know, you got a little heat there. You got a little friction. Uh, this could be a main event for a fight night, in my Absolutely. opinion. I, I think it's an awesome fight. I love it. Um, another awesome fight that happened last night, which, you know, I was kind of going back and forth on how this one was going to go. I could not have predicted this ending for you, Jeff. Vicente Luque submits Michael Chiesa. I thought it was going to be Chiesa getting knocked out or, you know, Luque getting kind of dominated on the ground. Not necessarily submitted, but, you know, Chiesa kind of holding him down and and beating him up there. I would have not have predicted Luque by submission, but the fact that he did it was that much more impressive. Uh, Give me your thoughts on this one, Jeff. Yeah, man. Great, great fight. It only lasted three and a half minutes, but it was so back and forth. Uh, (laughs) Just, dude, um, you know, Michael Kiesa came out. He looked pretty good on the feet. And then he starts taking control on the ground as well. You know, he's on Vicente Luque's back at one point, which we don't see very often. Um, And I'm pretty sure... He had, yeah, so he had, I'm sorry, he had Luque mounted first. Then Luque gives his back to Chiesa, which I thought this has got to be over if he's if he's turning on his belly like this. Mm-hmm. So I'm really concerned for Vicente Luque. But Luque is able to get out of it because Chiesa starts going for an arm bar from the back. And Luque just turns into him, able to get out, and then locks in this Darce choke, rolls him over, and, you know, starts walking his knees and his legs toward Kessa, and it, it was only a matter of time. But, man, Bill, it was just so back and forth. Very, very exciting. Um, definitely go back and watch this one if you didn't. But, uh, man, uh, great win for Vicente Luque um, because he looked like he was in a little bit of trouble at the beginning of that fight. Yeah, he had, he had some adversity. Like, there were two times where I thought for sure – Kiesa was going to finish that rear naked choke. Like he had it locked up the first time, I think with a modified grip. And then the second time he went for the standard grip and it was locked in pretty well. So the toughness of Luke really shined through there. Rewind a little bit going back to the fight on the feet because he rocked Kiesa and the way he was able to do it was super technical. If you go back and watch it, Kiesa was moving a lot in this fight. And he was going back and forth and bouncing up and down, which is good. You want to be a moving target, but his pattern became predictable. And you could see the moment that Luke picked up on it because what he did was switch stances and force Kiesa to keep circling towards a power shot. So he would switch Southpaw if Kiesa was circling to his right and he would switch Orthodox if Kiesa was circling to Kiesa's left. 
doing that, forcing him to circle towards the power side, he was able to land the power shot that rocked Chiesa, which led him into the double leg, taking Luke down, which he landed, you know, fairly easily. Chiesa, high level wrestler. Uh, and even though Luke said he spent his whole camp wrestling, like, you know, you're not going to make up for that discrepancy, but that's what led to the takedown was Kiesa getting rocked because of the traps that Luke was setting on the feet, super high level, super technical, uh, combined with the knockout power, which makes, you know, the matchup with Usman interesting. But at the same time, if you can't stop a Michael Kiesa takedown, you're not stopping a Kamaru Usman takedown. And Luke knows this because they've trained together. Um, and add in the fact that Usman has some hands now, that's going to be a fun fight. And that's probably going to be the one that gets made if Usman beats Colby Covington, which I think a lot of people are anticipating happening. Um, what else you got on this fight, Jeff? Uh, Bill, I think you covered everything. So we can move on to Tisha Torres versus Angela Hill. Yeah, and I, lo- I love that fight too, but I want to address this comment. Bruce Bob Trotter, Cormier is a terrible commentator going on about the Olympics in the middle of a fight. He's an embarrassment. Um, I, I didn't know that that was going on, Bruce. Um, I, I typically never have the sound on when I watch the fights because I don't want to be, I don't want to be influenced by the commentary. I like to turn the podcast on the next day and give you guys like kind of a fresh opinion without, because even subconsciously, if one of them says something, it'll get in my head. But yeah, I watch with the volume off. Sometimes I have it on, you know, very low in case I get distracted doing something else. I know when the next fight starts, um, but I don't pay attention to the commentary. I don't put a lot of, I don't put a lot of value on it. You know, that each of the commentators has their strengths and weaknesses. A lot of people were upset that Joe Rogan was replaced by Dominic Cruz on this one. I'm, I'm not sure why that happened or what the story was there, but um, people not happy about it, I guess, but people are never going to be happy about anything. Like you could, like you could hand pick somebody out of the crowd and say like, Hey, who do you want to do the commentary? And they could tell you the three people. And then at the end of the night, they'll still have a complaint about it. But um, yeah, I guess, you know, Cormier uh, was excited about the Olympics because, you know, he was part of an Olympic team himself. It's, yeah, he's a competitor. It's, it's something that's important to him. I guess that's why he was bringing it up, but I, I didn't know the I don't know the context. I don't know, you know, if it was totally irrelevant that he was bringing it up or if he was relating it to something else. Do you know, Jeff? Um, it, I think he was talking about Gable, uh, what's his name? Gable, uh, Anderson or Sanderson. Gable Stevenson. Yeah, Gable Stevenson. Thank you. Uh, I know he came up. Uh, so you know, I, I'm sure maybe DC, you know, who's got his roots in the wrestling world, um, I, I'm sure they've met at some point. So I, I um, <laughs> you okay? Yeah, no, I was just reading the the comments. Uh, <laughs> See, this said, commentary stuff is hard, Jeff. Now imagine yeah. if somebody was talking in your ear. Uh, at the same time, and you have to read something like com- doing commentary is fucking hard, man. That's why I do it from the safety of my own home with a with a big jug of whiskey next to me, because this is my comfort zone. I wouldn't be able to do a play by play or color commentary for a live event. 
Oh yeah, neither could I. But uh, Bruce Sane to get another professionally trained commentator like Brendan Fitzgerald would be better. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You need, you need that, you know, professional. You need that play-by-play guy in there. You know, sometimes they're the most annoying guy, but you need that professional guy who's going to do the ad reads and tell people to drink Nemiroff for some reason, which <laughs> I feel like is just rubbing alcohol that's soaked in gym socks. <laughs> But yeah, dude. I mean, that's not the first time it happens with DC, man. I remember when Rose Nama Yunus won, uh, beat, uh, what's her name? Uh, Joanna and Jacek the first time and him just losing it. Uh, so I, I, I definitely can understand where you're coming from, Bruce, because I never want to see DC call another Rose Nama Yunus fight. If he but that became, that became like iconic. Like they replay that every time Rose fights now when he's just yelling, Thug Rose, Thug Rose. Like, no, the, the worst part is I couldn't hear any of this because I was there. So you know, all <laughs> I heard was, was a, a, like the crowd chanting, fuck you, TJ. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Yeah. So we got way off track here. Uh, see what DC does to us, Bill. <laughs> Dude, I DC is like my spirit animal, though. Like as far as his, oh, his I love like, him as a person. As as far as his fight style, like I feel like, you know, and body type, I feel like I relate to DC so much because, like, I'm never gonna be the guy with the six pack, but I'm the guy who'll grab you by your neck and throw you around a little bit and punch you in the face. Um, <laughs> so that's what I like about DC. But uh, as far as the commentary goes, I can't, I, I can't give you any feedback on it because I don't listen to it. Um, Tisha Torres looked, I think, the best she's ever looked against Angela Hill. This was a rematch from several years ago. The first time they fought, Tisha Torres out grappled Angela Hill, basically held her down uh, to a unanimous decision victory last night. She just beat her everywhere, man. She looks so good. Her hands look so fast. Her teeps, you know, a teep in in Muay Thai is typically a defensive maneuver. If somebody's closing the distance too much on you, you teep them in the stomach to push them back. She was using it as a weapon to hurt Angela Hill, and it worked because she was hurting her to the body with those teeps and front kicks. Um, And just to differentiate, the way I was taught a teep is when you kick with your lead leg to the midsection and a front kick is when you kick with the rear leg. Um, but some people call it front teep, rear teep. You know, different styles have different names for different things. Either way, Tisha Torres, that front kick was an awesome weapon for her. Her hands looked super fast. She was just, her counters were so good. Her scrambles were so good. It was, I think, by far the best she's ever looked. Uh, what did you think, Jeff? Yeah, dude, Torres tore it up in there, man. Um, you know, the first round to me was kind of close. I actually gave, um, I actually gave the first round to Angela Hill only slightly, but um, after that, I, I felt like she had nothing left for Tisha Torres. It was, it felt very much like Torres had seen it all before from Angela Hill, and you know, there there was very little that surprised Torres. So great fight from her. Uh, great fight from Angela Hill as well, but Torres just had a little bit more in her locker for her. Yeah, I had it the opposite. I had I thought the first round was a blowout for Tisha Torres. I thought if there was a close round, it was the second round um, that 
I could have seen for Angela Hill, but I still had it two nothing Tisha going into the third. I think only one judge scored a round for Angela Hill, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure which round they scored for her, but it didn't matter. Still unanimous decision for Tisha Torres. Um, she wants a top five fight. I say after that performance, give it to her. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. I had um I had somebody tell me that between the two of them, I think they had 39 fights and 32 of those went to decision. And I was thinking about it, but you would probably see similar numbers across that entire division. You just don't see a lot of big finishes at 115 pounds. There's just not the knockout power. Um, you know, they rely a lot more on technique. It's the complete opposite of the heavyweights where, you know, there's probably 80% knockouts and, you know, 20% anything else. Um, Song of Dong, Casey Kenny, split decision. The crowd was not happy with it. Uh, how did you score this one, Jeff? Well, I had this fight for Song of Dong. Um, maybe the first round I could see going to Casey Kenny, but I felt like the decision went the right way. Um, you know, Song of Dong just, I think it, it was either the end of the first round or the end of the second round where Song of Dong got t- taken down and, uh, Casey Kenny ended up on top, whatever round that was, I gave to Kenny. Mm-hmm. But, uh, after that, man, it was all Song of Dong able to, counter the wrestling a little bit you know you really didn't see yadong in any bad positions on the ground after that i felt like uh you know with team alpha male he, he's kind of ready for the grappling anyway mm-hmm. um and yeah i just felt like he did enough to win the fight so i had it i had a 29 28 for song yadong here <laughs> uh <laughs> you put it a little politically jeff uh, Bruce Bob Trotter here says Kenny is an embarrassment and should consider retiring after jumping on the cage like a delusional idiot after the decision. <laughs> Dude, I actually, Bruce, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually forgot that happened until uh, reading your comment. But yeah. I was surprised that he did that. I was like, "Dude, you just lost the fight. What are you doing?" Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, man. and it was after the decision was read, right? Oh well, it was as soon as the as the bell for the third round ended but didn't he jump up after the decision was read also oh i don't like that like trying to get the crowd going and then the crowd was like yeah we like that guy better because he jumped on top of the cage (laughs) it's like that's how finicky mma fans are they'll be like you know i i thought this was a clear victory for song and dong as well um i didn't see I didn't see anywhere Casey Kenny won this. I don't know why even one judge would have given it to him. Um, uh, Bruce says that Kenny's cage jump celebration will go down as one of the most embarrassing moments of USC history. <laughs> Bruce, you got to join the uh, join the broadcast more often. I'm enjoying your comments here. Um, yeah, I I don't know most embarrassing in UFC history. I don't feel like this pay per view did a lot of big numbers. Um, I'm feeling like it's going to come in under, you know, somewhere around a hundred thousand for me. Of course I was having issues with ESPN plus last night for the free prelims. Like it kept freezing up on me. So like, that's going to stop people from wanting to buy the pay-per-view, especially because you have to pay to subscribe to ESPN plus, which they just raised the price for, but I don't even mind like raise the price even more. 
Like, make it $10, $15 a month. I don't give a shit. Just make it work. <laughs> like, it probably, I, I guarantee it's not freezing up during, like, basketball games or, or like, Major League Baseball or anything like that. They, they probably have that shit all sorted out. Like, fix the MMA, please, and then charge me whatever you want. Like, that's where I'm at with it. Dude, I wouldn't here's... even mind, like, you know, make it even more expensive and include all the pay-per-views. You know, just please make it work. Bill, here's my issue with it. Why was it that only the early prelims were on ESPN Plus? The regular prelims were on ESPN, and my cable package doesn't include that. No. So I, I couldn't that, watch the prelims on ESPN Plus. The, the prelims were on ESPN Plus, but you had to turn off the early prelims and click the separate video. Bill, why do I need to go through all that shit? I'm nobody's maid yeah, to be doing I, all that extra work. I don't understand it either because I was like, you know, it was earlier in the night. I was like playing with my daughter while I had the, the early prelims on in the background. We were actually doing a frozen uh, puzzle, like frozen the movie, not not like a puzzle made of ice. Um, so we're doing this puzzle and then all of a sudden I stop hearing the sound and I'm like, what's going on? Like, did it freeze again? And then I look and I was like, oh, I got to change it. Like, why doesn't it just play continuously through the whole I don't know. Don't get me started on ESPN Plus, Jeff. I'm gonna have to make a sub channel just shitting on ESPN Plus. I think it's, <laughs> it's we're gonna call it ESPN Not Plus. Um, <laughs> Vince Morales, uh, United's decision over Draco Rodriguez. My sleeper pick last week, which for my money was the fight of the night. I don't know who got the fight of the night bonus. Maybe somebody listening can tell us, but Rafael uh, Fazeev and Bobby Green, this fight was so awesome, Jeff. Did you catch yeah. this one? Dude, this was I, – I, I can't see in front of me if it was the fight of the night, but I certainly hope it was. It definitely deserved it. Can anybody tell us that's listening if uh, Fazeev and Bobby Green got fight of the night? I'm going to pour out another drink just for this fight, Jeff, because it was so good. And a lot of it was Bobby Green with his hands down, getting mm -hmm. hit, and then being like, nope. <laughs> but then he kept doing it. It's like, all right, Bobby, we realize that they don't hurt, but, like, you got to, like, this is a give and take here. <laughs> like, you're doing doing a lot of taking, not a lot of giving. <laughs> um, so that's why – like I agree with the decision that it went to Fazeev, but then like at the end when they were just throwing down and slinging bombs, like that's the kind of fight like people want to see. And then Fazeev started to get tired. Uh, Bobby Green almost got knocked out twice in the second round. This fight was just wild, man. If you guys didn't see it, go back and watch it. I, I think I was correct in my prediction, making this my sleeper pick last week. Um, and for my money, if I was writing the checks, it would be fight of the night. Yeah, so I just uh, looked it up, and it looks like it did get the Fight of the Night award. Absolutely oh, deserved. But, yeah, Bill, this fight was so back and forth. Bill, I'll be honest with you. If they had given it to Bobby Green, I wouldn't have been upset. Like, I, I would have been okay with it. Um, I felt like Bobby Green in that third round when, Viz when Viziev was tired, you know, Bobby Green was putting the pressure on a little bit. But, man, dude, this fight was all over the place. Our boy Bruce Bob Trotter here didn't like the uh, post-fight talk from Fazeev again. I don't know what he, I don't know what he was talking about. 
uh, because again, I don't, I don't watch with the sound on, um, as soon as the fight's over and I see the decision, I, I'll watch like the replays and then I'm usually like pouring myself another drink or something like that. But, yeah. um, yeah, I, I, I love the fight. I, th- I thought it was great. Um, another fight I liked that was just like, it was another fight, like watching a bomb get diffused was Alonzo Menafield and Ed Herman, like Ed Herman, like, let's be honest. He looked in the worst shape we've ever seen him. He's 40 years old. He looked like he didn't even, like somebody just got him up out of bed and put him in the cage. And I'm like, here, Ed, you gotta, you gotta fight this, this guy. And he's just like, all right. Like he's just going to work. Like, uh, we're going to do this. He was five steps behind men field, but it didn't matter. He just kept coming. He's just like that drunk guy at the end of the bar. That's like, I'll tell you when I've had enough. <laughs> like Ed Herman is such a bad motherfucker. And Menafield is like, man, I thought I was going to knock his old ass out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part of the interview. <laughs> that was a post fight interview. I actually did listen to. And, and at the end of the second round, he takes a low calf kick and it looks like his calf muscle or like, his shin bone is popping through his leg and he's like, nah, I'm good doc. <laughs> and the doctor, I guess like just poked it yeah. and was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> looks like it's okay. Like, I, don't, I don't know where that guy went to medical school. He's like, it doesn't look like that's where your calf is supposed to be. But, uh, <laughs> that was, it was such a cool fight. Um, give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, Bill, this was my sleeper pick, and uh, it was very one-sided, but I don't think it disappointed anybody. Yeah, um, it was perfect because it looked like Ed Herman was asleep right before this fight <laughs> happened, and somebody woke him up to get in the cage. <laughs> oh, man, but dude, when uh, talking about the swelling on his foot, I thought he had broken his tibia or something. Like mm-hmm. that that front part of your shin bone, I thought it was broken because you never see it swell up like that. Like, Bill, I played soccer for like seven, eight years and you know, I got I've had shin splints and stuff. I've never had anything swell in the uh, in the shin area, so I, yeah. I was really concerned. I've never seen I that. Probably didn't feel good. It was it was like Monty Python, where he's like, "Tis but a flesh wound." <laughs> and then, like, have you seen Monty Python, Jeff? Bill, I'm human. Of course, I've seen Monty the Holy Python. Grail. Well, yeah. I bring up a lot of things, Jeff, that you haven't seen. That's because I haven't been alive for most of them. Well, you were nowhere near alive. I don't think your parents were even born when Monty Python and the Holy Grail came out. Uh, whatever, Bill. I fart in your general direction, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite line for that movie. That's what. Oh, this is what I was going to bring up earlier. Angela Hill. I finally pinpointed what her voice sounds like. She sounds like the lead girl from Chasing Amy. Have you seen Chasing Amy yet? It's on my list, Bill. I haven't watched it, but it's on my list. Matt Temple wants to know, Jeff, if you've tutored anyone's horn lately. I don't know. I don't know what he's referring to. Because I huh? think you're last week you were talking about tooting your coworker's horn. Huh? You're oh, talking... oh uh, the the woman who coaches soccer with me? Yeah. So I have you tutored all the time? Have you have you tutored anyone's horn since? Um, is the question not in the way that he, I think he means? By the way, I think this is the best time of day to do the show because I get day drunk and we get a lot of people 
with funny ass comments. <laughs> so I think we need to try and stick to this time frame, Jeff. Uh, Jessica Penne submits Carolina Kovalkiewicz. Man, you got to feel bad for Carolina. That's five losses in a row. And yeah. like, all she wants to do is beat people up and eat cookies. Like, she's such like an innocent person. Like, you got to feel bad for her. But Jessica Penne, man, she looked really good, man. That was some slick armbar setups. And, um, you know, finally got the finish. Looked like she she snapped Carolina's arm a little bit. Her arm looked like Ed Herman's leg in the, <laughs> in the proceeding fight. Um, I'm going to blow through the rest of this card, Jeff. You tell me what sticks out to you. Uh, Manel Cape, uh, flying knee knockout of Ode Osborne, but he missed weight, so I don't care to talk about that. Miles Johns, I thought, looked really good against Anderson Dos Santos. Finally got the KO. I think he was in the third round. Um, but almost knocked him out a few times before that. He was just mixing it up so well. Uh, really impressed with the uh, Contender Series winner, Miles Johns. Melissa Gatto, TKO via arm injury over Victoria Leonardo. Uh, so Leonardo couldn't get off the stool uh, after the second round because her arm was broken. I'm not entirely sure how that happened. Maybe you can enlighten me, Jeff. But before that, uh, Johnny Munoz Jr. submits Jamie Simmons with a rear naked choke in the second round. So uh, what do you want to comment on? Bill, uh, definitely go back and watch Miles Johns versus Anderson Dos Santos uh, if you didn't. Uh, the knockout came in the third round, and, you know, Johns was looking pretty good. He, uh, he was doing some damage to Dos Santos even before the knockout came. Uh, so really good fight there. And Bill, as for the Victoria Leonardo arm break, it was kind of hard to spot where it happened, but I think she like tried to block a head kick or something. Mm-hmm. And um, in between rounds, I believe uh, the doctor came in and she she kind of said to her corner, my arm's busted or something like that. And the doctor came in, looked at it and mm-hmm. just said that uh, she, she couldn't keep going. Um, but Bill, the biggest thing, uh, was the fly on Melissa Gatto's shoulder during the post-fight interview. Um, this fly was just, it like was camping out on her shoulder. Um, and like, hmm. it, it wouldn't move. The fly was the toughest person in that cage. <laughs> uh, all right. I, I I definitely missed that. Um, I probably got distracted as soon as the fight as soon as I saw it ended with the uh, arm injury, I probably went and tried to do something else. Um, yeah, but good card overall. I thought I enjoyed it. Um, there were some great fights. There were some awesome finishes. You know, you had some some uh, unexpected things happen, like you know Luke submitting Michael Chiesa. But then if you go and look, look at because Chiesa is known as a grappler, right? But if you go and look at his record. Um, He's not really known for his submission defense. Like a lot of times when people are very submission heavy, they also have great defense, but he's been submitted quite a bit. You know, Anthony Pettis submitted him. Uh, Kevin Lee submitted him. He's been, he was submitted by Jorge Masvidal, who in like 40 something fights only has two submissions, one of them over Michael Chiesa. So there's some food for thought there. So in hindsight, I guess Luke getting the submission victory, um, you know, wasn't that surprising because uh, he is good on the ground. And, you know, if Kiesa gets caught in something, he's not known 
for his submission defense. But, um, you know, if you're looking at it ahead of time, then I, I would have, ne- that would have been the last thing I would have picked was Luke by submission. Um, we got a week off from the UFC, Jeff. So the next card is August 21st. That'll be back at the UFC apex. And that's Jared Cannonier versus Kelvin Gastelum. That's a really fun fight, uh, at middleweight. The co-main event is a grappler's dream with Clay Guida and Marco Madsen, the undefeated Marco Madsen, uh, who I believe was an Olympic silver medalist. I'm not mistaken. Uh, that's going to be really good. Um, let's see. I, we don't have to get into this card because we have next week to talk about it, but, uh, is there anything, uh, that's jumping off the page for you, Jeff, that you just have to get off your chest now? Uh, no, we could leave it for next week, but bill, um, that, uh, that submission loss to Kevin Lee, uh, I think we talked about a little bit. I, if I'm not mistaken, it was like a little controversial. It looked like Kessa wasn't, hadn't tapped, but the ref mistook it as yeah. him tapping. But, um, yeah, there yeah. was some controversy. That was Mara Yamazaki when Kiesa kind of like waved his hand and it, it was weird. Like he didn't tap, but he kind of like waved his hand, but the choke was in. But then Michael Kiesa was like trying, he, he wanted to grapple Mario Yamazaki and like kept calling him out on Twitter. And it was really awkward. Yeah. So, his mom would be disappointed. In like it, if that hadn't have happened, I, I would have given him a pass, but like, let's call it a submission. Let's call it like let's call it a loss because of how he reacted. Um, yeah, if you guys would have raised him better than that, Bill. <laughs> don't talk about his mom, Jeff. He'll jump across a podium to 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 attack you. Um, if you guys want to get your MMA fix, there is Bellator next week, August thirteenth. Uh, Gegard Mousasi and John Salter is the main event. Gegard Mousasi, I think, is the best fighter on the Bellator roster. Um, but it's unfortunate that he's not marketable because, you know, he just doesn't have that personality of some of the other guys they have, like Michael Venom Page and AJ McKee and and some of these guys. But probably skill for skill, the best fighter they have. Um, Andre Koroskov and Sabah Masi fighting on that card as well. That should be a good one. Uh, anything else? Eh, who knows? Like the first fight is is two guys who are O and O. So they're both making their professional debuts. Bellator is like, all right, I guess if there's nothing else on and like you're at somebody's house who has showtime, like a lot of stars have to align for me to watch Bellator. Uh, I'd be happy just taking the week off from MMA. So I probably won't watch this, but if you guys need some MMA in your life, it is available to you. Uh, Mark Fellows joining the show. He says the chat is blowing up today. Yeah, Mark, I think I think this is the time of day we're we're gonna need to start going with from now on because we're we're getting a lot of uh getting a lot of live chatters here, which is always fun. I like being like distracted and, and made to look totally unprofessional, like while I'm trying to pour a drink and read a comment and say something about the fights at the same time. <laughs> uh speaking of which. I think I'll pour myself a little bit more of this 10 high before we hit the road. 
probably the best bang for your buck out there right now. 15 bucks for a whole handle, which is 1.75 liters uh, for anybody keeping score. Uh, it comes in a plastic bottle. That's how you know it's good, Jeff. Yeah, and it won't shatter when you drop it. Yeah. You can recycle it or fill it with pennies after. Like... <laughs> The world is your oyster. Um, <laughs> this was a fun show. Uh, anything else you uh, you want to get off your mind, Jeff? Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Gegard Mousasi is the best fighter on Bellator. I think he's the polar opposite of Luke Rockhold. And I think that's why nobody knows who he is. Are you saying he's not handsome or he's not cocky? Nah, I mean, he's he's... You know, I'll, I'll, he's decent enough looking, but he's not—he's not cocky. He's not gonna, you know, be in your face about it. I saw—I saw a great meme of Gegard Mousasi. He was like wearing glasses, and they said Gegar is about to study the fuck out of some philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> that one made me laugh. Um, I—I I wish I could like recall the i i hate bringing up memes without like knowing who made them like last week i was telling you guys to follow kimura shops on uh, instagram i always like giving credit but like sometimes a meme just sticks out in my head and um yeah oh bill i just remembered uh tell them what you told me about uh nico montano we forgot to bring that up what did i tell you remember we were texting and uh and you told me that uh, the UFC let her go. Oh, yeah. She finally had a successful cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's still fun. That, that's true. I mean, I I don't want to see anybody lose or, like, lose their job. I don't get any kind of satisfaction about that. But at the same time, I don't want anybody having a job who doesn't do it. So, like, if you're not doing your job and making weight is part of your job, as a professional mixed martial artist, you're not doing your job. You don't deserve that job. Like you, you got to go do find something else to do. Like you're just not capable of it. And it's sad because she has skills. I mean, she won the ultimate fighter. She became the champion. And then, you know, whatever happened in her personal life um, that prevented her from making weight, it, you know, it, it cost her her job, just like anybody else who has, you know, they have a job, they achieve a certain level of success, and then they become an alcoholic or something, and they start, like, drinking at the office. Uh, that's why I work for myself, Jeff, because yeah, I can't fire me for drinking at the office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is what I'm doing right now. I, You know, if you call this a job, which I don't. Um, yeah, so one more reminder. If you guys have any ideas for the new... YouTube channel that's going to come out that's going to focus more on whiskey. Um, it, it, it's still going to have some martial arts type element to it. So I want the name to incorporate that. I want it to be loosely related to MMA on the rocks, but I want it to be a separate entity. It's largely going to be a cha uh, channel dedicated to, you know, educating people on whiskey and helping them dip their toes into, you know, the finer points of drinking whiskey and things like that. So if you guys have any suggestions for names for the channel, please send them my way. Um, direct message me on social media at MMA on the rocks everywhere. If you guys want to get a hold of Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. I just realized our handles are not 
up here. Is that because I put the banner on? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You would think I know how this shit works by now, right? Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have two YouTube channels. I don't even know how to work one of them. Uh, if you guys want some MMA on the Rocks merch, I'm such a horrible salesman, Jeff. Like, after I just tell you how shitty I am at this, I'm like, I'm about to plug our merchandise. If you want an MMA on the Rocks t-shirt, hoodie, or tank top, you can do so at reaper1.co. As always, I'll put the direct link to our merchandise in the show and I notes wherever you happen to be watching this. Promo code MMA Rocks 10. Save your save. So save your save. Save yourself 10% on your whole purchase, whether it's our merchandise, a local circuit fighter, UFC fighter, training gear, jiu-jitsu geese, bags, all that stuff, sparring gloves. Man, this cheap whiskey hits, Jeff. Forgot how to speak. Um <laughs> it's doing its job. It's the 10 high, dude. It saved like, my life. You're like seven right now. It saved my life <laughs> when I was on the West Coast. It was the only whiskey in arm's reach <laughs> while I was trying to survive this road trip. <laughs> um yeah, so MMA on the Rocks merchandise. It's out there. Buy some, please. Or don't. You know, use the promo code if you want to buy some other stuff. MMA Rocks 10. Anything else, Jeff? All that work, just look at some rocks, Bill. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, well, that'll do it. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Bye.